Let's, let's, can, we just, can we just pray? Can I get you guys to stand up for me while we do that as we pray? Lord God, I just thank you that when we gather together like this, that you are here, that you are in the midst. I thank you that your spirit is among us and I pray that your spirit would come and do a mighty work in us today. God, I pray that I wouldn't get in the way of what it is that you want to say to us that you want to reveal to us through your word and through your spirit. And so we just commit this next little while as we get into your word, into your hands, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, guys. You can take a seat again now. Um, I'll keep doing this and maybe you get some exercise. Does anyone need some help with exercise? I do, but I'm already standing, so that's right. Um, yeah, over, over the last number of weeks, Neil, Neil, who was up here giving the offering talk before our senior pastor, he's been, he's been sharing some awesome messages, hey, who's been, who's been challenges, challenged by the messages that have been coming from the front. Um, just awesome messages that are, that are centred around this, this theme that is called and chosen. Such great words, um, and I'm hoping that, that as I speak that that will continue today. But again, this, this underlying theme of called and chosen, how, how incredible is it that we are called and chosen by God? That's pretty amazing, isn't it? You know, the one who created all things, the one who can do all things, for who nothing is impossible, has called and chosen each one of us by name. God is inviting us into this personal relationship with him. You know, he, he's offered us his, his forgiveness and his grace through the cross, through the sacrifice of Jesus. We have this ability to come and to enter into relationship with him. You know, and, and as we've been reminded through this series, there is, there is this choice that we have to make. You know, God, God has made the opportunity, but we've got to choose to actually step into that. And that, that's, a, that's a choice that we need to make every single day, isn't it? To ensure that we are in a space where we are prepared for what God wants to do, both, both on the inside and also on, on the outside, the, the, what we present to the world around us. You know, the attitudes and the motivations that we have, that, that those things are in check with what God has for us, that those things are in check with God's word and his heart and his desire for us. For us to be in this, this space of relationship with him where we are connected to his word, that we are, we are journeying together as a, as a church family, that we are spending time with God and with each other, that we are encouraging each other, that, that we are in this place where we recognise the voice of God and the prompting when he directs us. Again, God has chosen us. Now, doesn't, that, doesn't that stir something in you to know that? Doesn't that give you a, a passion and a desire to know more about who this awesome God is that has given up so much for us? You know, does, it, does it give you this desire in your heart to every single day pursue more of him, to know who he is every single day, to receive this incredible gift that God has given us? You know, there's, there's this choice that we have to follow God. He's called us and he's chosen us, but we've got to choose. And, and I think there are times when, when we can fall into this way of thinking that, that we, we choose God and then we think because we've made that choice, everything in life is going to be perfect. Does anyone else ever feel like that's how it should be? That, that everything should be smooth sailing as we go through life. And then we come up against something that just doesn't 
seem to go right. And then we fall into this really dangerous attitude of, oh, God must be disappointed with me. God must be angry at me. God is punishing me because I must have done something wrong. And that's a, that's a really dangerous way of thinking, hey, because that is so far from the truth. And, you know, I, I myself have dwelt on that multiple times and, and I've heard other people make comment and it's like, hang on, we've got, to, we've got to stop this way of thinking and that's really the underlying theme for what God has put on my heart to talk to you about today. Because the reality is that we are all going to come up against trials in our lives, come up against challenges, come up against enemies. And the difference is that, that God, the King of Kings, the Lord of all Lords, is in the midst of all of it with us. If we choose to allow Him to be. Again, God has called and chosen each one of us. And He is calling each one of us into battle. We are called and chosen to battle. And so today, as, as we get into God's Word, I, I just really want to spend time on that theme, that we are called and chosen to battle, and, and I want to spend some time focusing in on one of, probably one of the most well-known stories of battle in the Old Testament. Anyone want to take a guess? No, no, anyway, no. No one wants to take a guess. It's David and Goliath. I was talking to my kids about it and they both... So I thought everyone would jump to that one, but that's okay. David and Goliath is what we're going to talk about today. Um, you know, and just like David, and I'm sure we're all familiar with the story of David, we, we experience our own Goliaths, don't we? We all have our own giant struggles that loom up before us. We all have our, our own challenges, our own battles... You know, and, and if you've been around the church for any period of time, you would know the story of David and Goliath. Does anyone not know the story of David and Goliath? I think we're all on the same page. You know, and in fact, even outside the church walls, the world around us knows the story of David and Goliath, don't, don't they? You know, you can be watching sport and it can be some bottom of the ladder team versus top of the ladder and they're like, oh, it's a David and Goliath battle. Or in corporate legal battles, you've got this big multinational conglomerate taking on some fish and chip shop because they have a name that uses the name of some movie or something. I'm not referring to anything in particular, but you get what I'm saying? There's this, there's this David versus Goliath battle. And so it's this, this battle that I'm going to focus on today. That's, that's what God's really put on my heart. And, and so I want to encourage you, if you've got your Bibles with you, to grab them out. Because we're going to spend... I'm going to read a chunk, pretty big bit. Um, and so it'd be helpful for you to have it there so you can just refer to it as we go. So um, if you get your Bibles out and turn to 1 Samuel, chapter 17... All right, so that, that's where we're going to spend most of the time today. Before we start reading, so don't put it up on the screen yet. Thank you. That's right. Before we start reading, I just want to give a bit of context so we know exactly what's going on, um, that we, we understand who people are and, and where they're coming from, okay? Um, so 
I'm going to give a quick, a quick summary which starts from about chapter 8 of 1 Samuel and I'm going to give you the Matt's version, okay? Um, and I encourage you to, to spend some time, sit down and read through this story, get a, a real good grasp of, of who people are and what God is doing and what's happening and why it is happening and then look to apply it for yourself. Anyway, so firstly, we have this character, King Saul, okay? He is the first king of Israel, He's been chosen by God and and anointed by the prophet Samuel. So up until this point, the Israelites have come out of Egypt, uh, they're in the promised land and God has raised up judges to make decisions for for the people of Israel as they come up against the challenges and whatever. And the people have been saying, we need a king, we need someone to rule over us. And so God anoints uh, through the prophet Samuel, King Saul, and he he does pretty cool stuff for a while. And then he decides to go off and and just do his own thing a little bit. You know, he was sort of following what God was telling him to do, but just bending the rules a little bit. And so God actually removes his blessing from him as king. And so then God gives instruction to Samuel, um, his prophet, to go and anoint a new king of Israel. And so he... And God says he's the son of a man named Jesse who lives in Bethlehem. So Samuel goes off in secret because he didn't want King Saul to know because Saul was still the king and he goes to Jesse's house and he asks to see his sons. And so Jesse presents all of his eight sons except for one, the youngest, David, who is out caring for sheep and goats. And so Samuel goes through all of the sons and no, these aren't the ones. David is retrieved from the fields And then he is the one and he gets anointed by Samuel, establishing him as the next king of Israel. But he has to wait until King Saul is dead before that happens. And so about that time, David is 12 years old when that happens. Saul, meanwhile, has lost God's blessing. And so God is tormenting him with depression and anxiety and He's in the court and someone in the court has heard about this young dude, David, who is awesome on the harp and says, let's get him in here and he can play your music and that will calm you down. And so that's what's happened. David comes in and he spends time in the king's court with Saul, playing his harp and then when Saul would go off to battle, David would go home and help his dad with the sheep. And so then once again, the Israelites always seem to be at war with the Philistines and so once again they are at war and that's that's where we're coming to in just a moment um, and and they are the the Israelites and the Philistines are in this country where there's hills on either side and there's a valley and so they're camped on either side of this valley um, and then we'll get into what's going on so with all of that in mind let's let's jump into our reading so 1 Samuel 17 4 to 11. And this is talking about Goliath. So he was over nine feet tall. That is 2.75 meters in our language. And he wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. That's uh, around about 57 kilos. He wore bronze leg armour and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder and his, uh, the shaft of his spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds, about 7 kilos. 
His armour-bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. And Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send a man who will fight me. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. So here's King Saul and his Israelite army. And they are terrified and shaken by this champion warrior of the Philistines. And then along comes David. All right, okay. Um, is Zeke in the Zeke, come on down, dude. I just want to give Zeke a hand. Zeke is, Zeke is my son, pulled out of kids' church because he's out helping there. What a blessing that is. Uh, so here's Zeke. Zeke is a strapping young 14-year-old boy, a similar age uh, to what David would have been. Um, anyway, so just stand there for a sec. All right. So then, I have props this morning. All right. So here is... So this is, this is Goliath. He's about 2.75 metres tall, nine feet. Obviously, he's skipped gym day for a while. But that's, that's the sort of size... With, that's a pretty big dude, isn't it? And then, what did it say? His, uh, th- thank you, Zeke. Thank you, Zeke. <laughs> it was worth it, wasn't it? That's was great. Thank you. Um, but then, what did it say? His, his armour was 57 kilos. Now, you need to ask Zeke for permission to do this, but after the church, if you want to know what 57 kilos is, go and pick him up. <laughs> because he's around about 57 kilos. Um, anyway, so... so <laughs> Thanks, Zeke. Um, so Goliath is this big, strong dude. Like, he's, he's massive. And the Israelites are terrified of him, including King Saul. And so then if we jump over to verse 16, it says that for 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion, that is Goliath, strutted in front of the Israelite army and he taunted them day and night for 40 days. Meanwhile, David is, is back at home tending the sheep because King Saul is out at war and so he's, he's with his dad, Jesse, and his dad instructs him to take some food and to go and check on his brothers who are part of King Saul's army to get an update of what's going on. And so when he arrives at the Israelite camp, um, it was just as Goliath was coming out and he was challenging the Israelite army. And so David sees this Goliath coming out and challenging the Israelites and defying the God of the Israelite army, defying our God. And so David questions all of the soldiers, what is going on here? Why is no one fighting this dude? Why is this Philistine able to defy Israel? And he was pestering everyone. He is pestering people so much that his older brother was there and held him and he's like, mm, don't be annoying, David. And David, the classic kid, responds, you know, what have I done now? You know, you may have heard, sounds like that in your house if you have children. 
But David's persistence gets back to Saul. And so Saul's like, what's David doing? Get him over here. And so if we continue on from verse 32. David says, don't worry about this Philistine. I will go and fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replies. There is no way that you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You are only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. And so then after this, King Saul tries to give David his armour and his sword, but David puts it on and it's, it's too hard to walk around with and he realises that it's not going to help him anyway and so he takes it off and he goes and collects some smooth stones for his sling and then he steps out to meet Goliath. And so then we're going to pick it up again from verse 40 and it says, Then only armed with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. That you would come at me with a stick, and he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll, feed, I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. But David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I'll give you your dead bodies, the bodies of your dead men, to the birds and animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know the Lord rescues his people but not with sword and not with spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and it hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone for he had no sword. Then David ran over, pulled out Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to, cut, to kill him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and they ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. The bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn all along the road from Sharaim as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the Israelite army returned and plundered the deserted Philistine camp. David took the Philistine's head to Jerusalem, but he stored the man's armour in his own tent. And as Saul watched David go out to fight the Philistine, he asked Abner, the commander of his army, Abner, whose son is this young man? 
I really don't know, Abner declared. Well, find out who he is, the king told him. And as soon as David returned from killing Goliath, Abner brought him to Saul with the Philistine's head still in his hand. Tell me about your father, young man, said Saul. And David replied, his name is Jesse and we live in Bethlehem. All right, let's, we're going we're gonna to stop there. I encourage you to keep, keep that open so we can refer back to it. But what an incredible story, hey. What an incredible journey. And, you know, it, it raises the question of, of how does this apply to us today? You know, what, what are our takeaways? What are the challenges for us as we read and reflect on this story? A story that is so well known, a story that probably most of us can recite um, without needing to refer to what it says in the Word. You know, and there are, there are so many things that we could draw out in this story. And again, I want to encourage you to spend time in the Word during the week. Reflect on this passage. Dwell on the things that speak to you as, as God speaks to you as you are in the Word. Now again, as I, as I said right at the start, each, each one of us is going to face battles. You know, probably not the sort of physical battle that David faced with Goliath, but we, we are all going to experience battle and, and we are called by God into his battle. You, know, you might be here this morning and you are in the midst of some form of battle right now. And as, and as those battles, those battles that are, we're in right now and the battles that are to come that I want to talk about, how, how, do, we, how do we face what is here now and what is to come. The, fir- the first thing I want to draw out of this is that just as Saul and David were chosen by God, they were both anointed by God to be king, God has also called and chosen each one of us. Again, it- it's up to us to choose to-, to-, to follow him in return, isn't it? We've already talked about that. And then to live that life that is, that is obedient to what God is, is wanting us to do, to, to stand firm in our choice of God before whatever Goliath might rise up before us. To be in this space where we are actively listening to God's voice and his guidance. Just like we heard about last week as Neil was talking about that, the, the, the different ways that we can tune into God's voice and hear his prompting. We need to be in that place where we are, we are locked in and standing firm with God putting our faith and our trust in him, recognising that he has chosen us And that is just an incredible fact and an incredible thing that we need to hold on to, to secure ourselves in that. God has chosen us. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that we need to stand firm in our identity, which is found in God. Our identity should be found in God. Being in a space of, again, understanding who God says we are. You know, and I think, I think it's interesting in this that, that Saul knew David. He'd been in the court, he'd been playing his harp. He'd been around the place. It was about three years between when David was anointed. And I'm not sure that Saul actually knew that he was anointed at that stage either. I don't know if that was the case or not. But here's David, anointed to be the next king, who was in the courts with Saul for around three years, playing the harp as he struggles with uh, his depression and anxiety. And, 
And then here comes David into, into the battle to visit, his, to visit his brothers. And for 40 days, and f- this, this Goliath has been coming out and producing fear in the men, including Saul. And so this is a side of David that Saul hasn't seen before and he's intrigued. He wants to know who this David is. And David comes to him and he says, don't worry about this Philistine, I'll go out and fight him. The Lord has rescued me from the claws of lions and bears and he will rescue me from this Philistine. David had grabbed hold of his identity in God. He knew who God was. Important thing in there is who God was, not who he was himself, but he knew who God was. He had experienced the incredible power and protection of what God could do in his life. And he grabbed hold of that. He knew what God had done in the past and and there was no questioning in God's mind, sorry, in David's mind, what God would do. There was no questioning in David's mind that God would not bring victory. And David realised, perhaps there was a a, a few moments of, oh, what am I doing? Where he's putting on the armour and he's trying the sword. But he realised that he didn't need the armour and he, he didn't need the sword and he didn't need the spear but he, he simply needed to have faith in God, to remember who God was and the abilities that God has and the abilities that God had given him and step boldly out into the battle that was before him. Understanding that God would bring him victory, whatever way that might look. And so that response, that, that just seemed to confuse Saul even more to the point that that as David is walking out towards Goliath, he is still questioning, who is this guy? He asks the question, who is his father? Saul's trying to make sense of of how this young man came to be the way that he was. What is his lineage? What, What is his heritage? Who is his father? Again, is his father some great warrior that I don't know about and he's been trained up and he knows all this stuff? You know, how is this even possible? But again, David's David's actions were purely based on understanding and having faith in who God was in the midst of whatever situation came up against him. And it was that faith that was evident to Saul and made him question. Again, again, there's there's no doubt that each of us is going to come up against things in our lives where we have our own Goliaths rise up and I'm sure you can fill in the blanks of what that looks like for you. But let let me say to you, stand firm. Remember your identity in Christ. Remember who God says you are. You know, don't, don't fixate on, on your perceived lack or your inability. Don't dwell on worldly opinions, the things that get thrown towards you, but rather focus on God, put your trust in Him and step boldly into the battle. You know, as we, as we stand firm, as we put our faith in God, as we hold firm to the, the identity that we have received through Christ, as we, as we step out towards that Goliath, those around us will witness that and question, who is this guy? Who are they? Where did they, where did they come from? You know, as, as we stand firm in the midst of God 
and in the midst of, the, of Goliath, God will shine through. God will take our circumstance and make himself known. And then thirdly, I think probably most importantly, you know, j- just as we've been challenged the last few weeks, again, um, to be prepared, to be preparing ourselves for God, we need to be preparing ourselves for battle. And as we do that, we need to remember that we are not alone. We need to remember that God is with us, that God is in the midst if we choose him and we turn our face towards him and we stand firm with him. We are not alone. He has placed us here in this church community, the body of Christ, and we are all here together. We are not alone. And that's why gathering together is so important. You know, as I was, as I was preparing this message, the, the thing that really jumped out at me as I, as I read through this story again and again was that, you know, yes, David, David killed Goliath, that's, that's true, but the victory was only completed because the rest of the Israelite army was there. Yeah? The rest of the Israelite army was there and standing and watching and seeing God at work and seeing God through David and they ran onto the battlefield as they saw Goliath fall. And they saw the Philistine army turn and run. This, this army who had been fearful bystanders to this point, perhaps had turned their face away from God, suddenly recognised God at work and stood firm and chased down the enemy. And it was only then that the victory was completed. Do you understand the coming together, the standing together is so vital for us in our battle? Be mindful not to get distracted by your desire of wanting to be the one that does the important thing. Don't be standing off on the sidelines and looking out at David and going, oh, gee, wish I, wish I could do that once once the victory is probably once the victory's come though yeah not when he's walking out going oh what an idiot you know be mindful of the of the opinions and the attitudes that we have as we as we as an army of god come together and see the different battles that are going on don't be fixated on on wanting to be the one that does the most amazing thing because god will use everything that we bring the big things the little things for his glory and for his purpose You know, sometimes it will be us. Sometimes it will be us that's the one that has to step up before the Goliath. But then there's other times when when we're just part of the army, but both of those roles are significant and critical for us to bring victory through God. You know, we, we all need to be ready to support the big things that are going on. Both of those roles are important. You know, again, David, yeah, he, he killed Goliath, but he didn't kill the rest of the Philistine army that was scattered from here to whatever city it was and whatever. And there's, there's not any indication of how big the army is, but if you look through, it's probably around about 10,000 men strong. 
You know, it was the, it was the rest of the army that, that finished the battle. In fact, while the battle was still raging, da- there's David carrying Goliath's head back to camp and speaking with Saul, trying to fulfil Saul's desire to know who David was and his identity. Again, as a, as a church family, we need to be recognising that we are not alone, that we are in this together. And there is no doubt that we are called to battle. You know, God, God is active and he is at work and when that happens, the enemy is going to rise up. And so we are soldiers, we are called into God's army, called to battle, called to stand, to stand firm against the Goliaths that rise up in this world. You know, to be part of the, the army of God that is, is to reclaim all that belongs to him. And he is calling us to stand firm with him, with each other, in his battle. You know, maybe you are in the middle of a battle right now. I want to encourage you just to to continue to give it over to God. To share the things that you are struggling with, to share it with the people around you. To speak it out. To not be fearful or hide away from the battle that looms before you. Come together and pray. Gather together, pray for each other, support each other in all of the battles that we face. In all the battles that we face as a community, as a church, there are battles going on that we need to stand firm together in the midst of it all. To share testimony of victory. Again, how good is testimony? To share testimony of of big wins and small ones to declare the incredible things that God has done and remember his promise. Encourage one another, recognise what God is doing in each other and call it out, speak it out. Build each other up, don't tear each other down. Stand firm and watch God claim victory after victory after victory. Amen? Now, I I believe that there are battles taking place. I know there are. I want to encourage us to stand firm in God and each other. I believe there's going to be battles in the future, big ones. Stand firm in God and each other. You know, I believe that, that our faith and, and our identity is going to be tested time and time again. Hold tight to who God says you are. Hold tight to the identity that we have through Christ. Stand firm in God and each other. We will see God claim victory after victory after victory through us for his glory. countless victories that will shout the name of Jesus. Victories that will transform our community. This community needs our God. It's time to stand firm. And as we stand firm, those around us will question who is their father. 
as they witness God's army and the Heavenly Father at work, declaring, proclaiming his goodness, his might, his mercy. God is calling us to battle for his glory and his purpose. Let's all stand together for God. Hey, let's, let's stand and let's pray. Lord God, I want to I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are this incredible God who can do all things and yet you call and choose each one of us. God, I want to pray for our church. I want to pray for each one of us as warriors in your army. Lord God, that you would help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, that we would be an army that is ready for battle. God, prepare us for your battles. Give us the ability to stand firm in the face of the different Goliaths that will rise up in our past that are going to come. God, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you and and remind us of, of who we are in you. God, I pray that you would bring your victory for your glory, not for ours. Through each victory that we see, that your name would be glorified. That there would be no doubt of victory because you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, our incredible Heavenly Father. And I want to pray over each one of us this morning that you would guide and protect each one of us as we go into our weeks. Lord God, prepare each one of us, ready to stand firm in the battle for your glory and for your kingdom. Amen. Amen. Um, Now, maybe you are here this morning and and you don't have a, a personal relationship with God. But know that God is calling you to come. You know, he, he wants to bring you into relationship with himself and, and he's done everything that he can to make that happen. He sent his son Jesus to die for you on the cross, to take the blame for your sin and your shame. All the things that you feel could keep you away from God wanting to be in relationship with you. Jesus came and he took all of that on the cross so that you could be forgiven and you could be restored. And God, again, has chosen you. And all you have to do to invite him into your life is to accept the invitation. And so if you want to do that, I want to invite you to pray. We're going to pray again just now, just a simple prayer. Why don't you pray with me if that's you? Lord God, I thank you that you have chosen me. I thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me so that I could be forgiven. Lord God, forgive me. Thank you that Jesus died and rose again. And because of that, I'm forgiven. And I invite you into my life. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, that is, that is so awesome. Welcome into the family of God. Please make sure that you tell the person that you came with or come and tell me or Pastor Neil who was up here before. Because we want to celebrate that with you. It's an incredible new life that you have entered into and we want to bless you in that. And so we're going to we're going to keep worshiping for a bit. Um, and as always the front the front is open.